Section 192 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 239. London, February 27, 1759. My dear friend, in your last letter of the 7th, you accuse me, most unjustly, of being in arrears in my correspondence. Whereas, if our epistolary accounts were fairly liquidated, I believe you would be brought in considerably debtor. I do not see how any of my letters to you can miscarry, unless your office packet miscarries too, for I always send them to the office. Moreover, I might have a justifiable excuse for writing to you seldomer than usual, for to be sure there never was a period of time, in the middle of a winter, and the Parliament sitting, that supplied so little matter for a letter. Near twelve millions have been granted this year, not only nemine contradicente, but nemine quiquid decente. The proper officers bring in the estimates. It is taken for granted that they are necessary and frugal. The members go to dinner, and leave Mr. West and Mr. Martin to do the rest. I presume you have seen the little poem of the country lass, by Soam Jennings, for it was in the Chronicle, as was also an answer to it from the Monitor. They are neither of them bad performances. The first is the neatest, and the plan of the second has the most invention. I send you none of those pièces volantes in my letters, because they are all printed in one or other of the newspapers, particularly in the Chronicles, and I suppose that you and others will have all those papers among you at Hamburg, in which case it would be only putting you to the unnecessary expense of double postage. I find you are sanguine about the King of Prussia this year. I allow his army will be what you say, but what will be that vis-a-vis -vis French, Austrians, Imperialists, Swedes, and Russians, who must amount to more than double that number. Were the inequality less, I would allow for the king of Prussia's being so much ipse agmen as pretty nearly to balance the account. In war, numbers are generally my omens, and I confess that in Germany they seem not happy ones this year. In America, I think, we are sure of success, and great success, but how we shall be able to strike a balance, as they call it, between good success there and ill success upon the continent, so as to come at a peace, is more than I can discover. Lady Chesterfield makes you her compliments, and thanks you for your offer, but declines troubling you, being discouraged by the ill success of Madame Munchausen's and Miss Chetwin's commissions, the former for beef, and the latter for gloves, neither of which have yet been executed, to the dissatisfaction of both. Adieu. Letter 240. London, March sixteenth, 1759. My dear friend, I have now your letter of the twentieth past lying before me, by which you despond, in my opinion too soon, of dubbing your prince. For he most certainly will have the garter, and he will as probably have it before the campaign opens as after. His campaign must, I doubt, at best be a defensive one, and he will show great skill in making it such. For, according to my calculation, his enemies will be at least double his number." Their troops, indeed, may perhaps be worse than his, but then their number will make up that defect, as it will enable them to undertake different operations at the same time. I cannot think that the King of Denmark will take a part in the present war, which he cannot do without great possible danger, and he is well paid by France for his neutrality, is safe, let what will turn out, and in the meantime carries on his commerce with great advantage and security so that consideration will not retard your visit to your own country, whenever you have leave to return, and that your own arrangements will allow you. 
A short absence animates a tender passion, et l'on ne recule que pour mieux sauter, especially in the summer months, so that I would advise you to begin your journey in May, and continue your absence from the dear object of your vows till after the dog-days, when love is said to be unwholesome. We have been disappointed at Martinico. I wish we may not be so at Guadalupe, though we are landed there, for many difficulties must be got over, before we can be in possession of the whole island. A propos de bois, you make use of two Spanish words very properly in your letter. Were I you, I would learn the Spanish language, if there were a Spaniard at Hamburg who could teach me, and then you would be master of all the European languages that are useful, and in my mind, it is very convenient, if not necessary, for a public man to understand them all, and not to be obliged to have recourse to an interpreter for all those papers that chance or business may throw in his way. I learned Spanish when I was older than you, convinced by experience that, in everything possible, it was better to trust to one's self than to any other body whatsoever. Interpreters, as well as relators, are often unfaithful, and still oftener incorrect, puzzling and blundering. In short, let it be your maxim through life to know all you can yourself, and never to trust implicitly to the informations of others. This rule has been of infinite service to me in the course of my life. I am rather better than I was, which I owe not to my physicians, but to an ass and a cow, who nourish me between them, very plentifully and wholesomely. In the morning the ass is my nurse, at night the cow, and I have just now brought a milch goat, which is to graze and nurse me at Blackheath. I do not know what may come of this latter, and I am not without apprehensions that it may make a satyr of me. But, should I find that obscene disposition growing upon me, I will check it in time, for fear of endangering my life and character by rapes. And so we heartily bid you farewell. End of section 192. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.